We are here, uh, alive and well, and have made it to 2014. And um, as seems to be our custom, since we've produced a radio drama twice now, uh, I thought we would get, have a little postmortem with some of the people who were uh, participants in this madness that we did, just as a, a just as an extra. People were very nice. They actually asked if we were going to do one. I said, maybe. <laughs> and uh, so here we are to talk about The Incomparables, Radio Theater of the Air, Christmas Spectacular. I am Jason Snell. I am the regular host of The Incomparable and edited and produced the uh, radio show that we did. Um, David Lore is here. He is the man who wrote the whole <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> All uh, 92 pages of it. Good God. Yeah. What was I thinking? I don't know. At several <laughs> points I asked myself that question, David. <laughs> and you were also Paul, uh, Paul Citrone. Mm-hmm. Taking over for me, I originated that character on stage. Role originated by. <laughs> That's right, but at Singleton in in Montreal. But I was happy to pass it uh, over to somebody who is more capable at acting than me. Uh, so you, you and Serenity Caldwell, you just heard there, who uh, once again had the uh, very difficult challenge of directing the uh, the the episode, which largely meant telling people like Dan Warren and Glenn Fleischman, who are also here, to repeat their lines again <laughs> slightly differently, and then once more for safety. Gosh, you, you simplify. Yes, you simplify my my job so dynamically. You know, the best part about this one is that um, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't on all the recording sessions. We, this was a much more dispersed, especially since because David wrote ninety pages. It's twice as long <laughs> as the first one. We we couldn't record it all in like a couple marathon sessions like we did. With the oh, original. we could have. We just would have cried. Oh. And, and with yes. and with the holidays, it was going to be really hard to get everybody together. And so I missed some of them. And, and and a couple of the sessions, not everybody recorded. Only the actors recorded. And those were hilarious to listen to when I was processing the edits <laughs> because I literally I can't hear anything except like the the director or the actors are taking direction. Glenn especially is like, yeah, yeah, okay. All right. About this? What about that? And I have no idea who's talking to him or what they're saying. All I can hear is Glenn. You know, the scary part is it was just me. There was nobody yeah. else there. Yeah. <laughs> just Glenn was voices. directing himself. You and your many What's Teslas. That? David, What's do you that? want to start by telling us about um, about the, the, the writing process here and what, what crazy things you obviously were going through your head for you to create this gigantic <laughs> assemblage for us? Well, you know, it started. Did we dis- with- when did we decide to do this? Did we even? You wrote. Okay, you wrote. Well, well a, now hang on. A, you, you wrote you, two you things. Said, okay, I, I we, like, start from we the beginning. Been, we've been idly thinking about doing more of these, and I just wrote a fog script to sort of just try it out and go. Yeah, well, I can do this more than once, right? Right, and, and that was the one that's in the episode. That's the and that's that is the, the one that is in the episode, in heavily rewritten before it went on stage because that's the one. Uh, when you read it, you said, "Hey." Could we do this on stage at Singleton since the fog faces off against a bunch of Quebecois separatists? And I went, okay. Right. That would be good in Montreal, you know, I figured. No, nobody would get upset Play there. Play to by, the home crowd. By that. No. And <laughs> the Montreals, so, they don't really get upset. No. So somewhere, I think it was in October after Singleton where you said, you want to do one for Christmas? This is, you know, well, well, before this that, this is set happened, at New Year's. When I mentioned Singleton, um, 
you said, oh, how about I write another one? And you had been tinkering oh, with the right. idea of doing of doing the many lives of Harry Lime, the adventures of Harry Lime. So Paul Citrone, you wrote a Paul <laughs> Citrone that's set in Montreal as well, which right. wasn't holiday-themed in any way, and we didn't record for this. So there's yet another Paul Citrone <laughs> episode out there hovering, waiting to be brought upon the world, like the, some rough beach, beast slouching its way toward your <laughs> podcast You make it choice. sound so pleasant. Um <laughs> So that's, that's I'm just, I that's thought that one was promotion. better. <laughs> that was that, that was a great one. So we performed those in Montreal, and um, and uh, and then yeah. So that was what ticked it over into the, there was the New Year's theme at the end of the fog, and that then in October sometime that apparently kind of coalesced. I don't even really remember how it did, but kind of coalesced into the idea that maybe that's what we do for the the radio theater follow-up is a is a, a holiday themed one and then the hand sp- pass across your face and suddenly you found yourself yeah why are you waving your hand in your face should. my face like that <laughs> and, and then well my memory is foggy is what i'm trying to trying to say well, and then go. all and, i remember is that we had pitched this as a oh it'll be simple and quick and yes. it'll be a fun thing to <laughs> a do little quick five holiday minutes. bit a couple of pieces a fog yeah. we'll a do Tesla, five short things hands yeah. on horse and then we'll be done. Maybe even just those two from Singleton, I think, is how we started. We could record those two. It'll be short, 20 minutes. Yeah. It'll be like a little little Christmas present, a little tiny box yeah. wrapped under the tree. And instead, it was that giant present, the, the shape of a bike. David has plans for us. David has well, plans for us. I, I did sit up all night with wrenches and putting it all together. It was really cool. The the So we just get these PDFs from David that are like... Uh, here's one. <laughs> and like, oh my God, it's another one. <laughs> and another one. And another one. Well, that was the thing that was amazing is the length ended up being far more than any of us really expected. But they were all oh, holiday yeah. themed, so we couldn't. I had that moment of, I talked to David about it. I was like, could we split this in two? But only one of them was New Year's themed. All the rest of them were Christmas themed. So <laughs> even if we could just do it as two around Christmas and New Year's, we couldn't. And so we were kind of trapped like a rat. I would love to have said, we're going to just do 40 minutes at Christmas and then push the rest off a few months. But nope, couldn't do it. (laughs) And in the end, you know what? I am glad we did because now it gives us a couple months to regroup and breathe before we... (laughs) Is that is that how Inevitably. the math works? Is that the length of the thing we drop? P- people are like, "Oh, well, that was so huge that I'm not going to need any more for a while because we're settling." Uh, It'll tie them over for theory. In theory. All right. <laughs> I don't know if that'll well, actually <clears throat> turn out to be true, but well, I mean, the girl nice, can hope. The the nice thing for me was was just sort of going. All right, I could just churn out more of this. You know, I can sit down and and then and then polish them because these are much more polished than the one we did in April. You know, I actually, I actually plotted and prepared and researched. There's a lot of research in this one. Um, research, David. I know, I know, because I'm an idiot. Um, you know, like, well, I mean, the <laughs> the diadem of Saint Sylvester is a real thing. It is a sampo. It, it, well, it is. Go the, look that up. Hang on, the diadem <laughs> has really been missing for 450 years. It was last used at the coronation of Pope Nicholas. So I went, oh, well, of course. And then I found out that St. Sylvester's feast day is New Year's Eve. And in Germany, they just call it Sylvester. It's not New Year's Eve. It's Sylvester. And I went, okay. And then and then, and as, as I'm reading that, because I was just thinking, well, Paul Citrone has to steal something. What is he going to steal? And and I'm reading this, and Carpe Diadem popped in my head. And I was like, okay, done. Um you know, yeah, there's research. Why? Why is there research in this? But 
You know, Only so that David, you can talk about it all at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. David, I just, I just want to mention, you know you're not being paid, right? Because I know this could be awkward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, no I, that's, his next, that's his next episode in which there are Czechoslovakian separatists, and the joke at the end is... Well, we we just in the mail, right? Okay. We just released the the like first seven eighths oh. of it, and if you want the, the, the eighth eighth, you pay for it. Oh, I see. There That's very go. clever. Yeah, I wanted to pay yeah. you a, a fee for writing it, uh, but Scott McNulty told me not to. So, well, oh, we all do Scott. what Scott McNulty says. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants Jason, a better part. This wasn't very good. He had a very bad experience with the tax collector in Philadelphia, and now he thinks nobody should ever get paid for anything. It's just Scott. <laughs> oh yes, he, well, he's. I mean, I mean Scott needs to understand that you can get paid for something. You just have to pay the government yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think he uh, insists upon getting everything paid in in. Small jars full of food now. Yeah, that he can't. Well, in Finnish gold. In samples. In samples. I, I have to say, sample I, have size. Done, I have done a lot of marketing work for restaurants in return for lots of free food. It's very nice how generous we all are to one another. I believe, say, David, now, that now you, the, you and I shared a marketing pizza at one point this summer when yes. I visited you. Now the IRS yes, is indeed. coming after you, though, because that's barter. Barter's taxable. Listen. Well, they can have a sli- they can have the extra slice of pizza that we had in July. They're welcome to it. Barter is taxable, really. The things I'm barter is taxable. Podcast. That's that whole yeah. Well, wow. it's just, this is turning to turn to the tax. I was walking with Rex the other day and telling him about my tax situation. This is my six year old. And afterwards, he said, and "I'm not making it up, Daddy. I particularly like that discussion about tax. And I I don't know. Maybe he's going to grow up being an accountant. Maybe it's, I've done something terrible. Wow. If you're just tuning in, it's tax time with the incomparable. I'm, I'm waiting right. for the incomparable radio theater of the air and the adventures of. Uh, uh, Rex Friedman, tax attorney. <laughs> Rex Friedman, <laughs> tax man. I'm good. I'm good uh, Rex, Fr- Rex Fleischman. Lex, I'm just, Rex, I'm just Rex Rex Friedman. Lex Friedman yeah. and Rex Fleischman. <laughs> they come together Friedman. to form Rex That's Friedman. Well, a, if you, if you oh, took everything Rex me. said and you strung it together, it would actually make a pretty uh, pretty enjoyable radio play. I wow. This so, kids, there are futures. So, David, what, what else? So, we, we have two. <clears throat> we have. We have um, we brought back Tesla, and we brought back the fog. The fog was obviously first. That was something that that you wrote as a proof of concept of could we do more of these? And somehow right. we didn't take the hint that the answer was no, no, we can't do more of these. <laughs> we did them, uh, and then you followed that up with uh, with doing uh, a sequel to Tesla, which we you wrote most of that before we saw the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, although yeah, in anticipation I, of the multi-doctor kind of thing. But then after you saw the 50th, you 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 added some some jokes. I, yeah. I went in and, and added like five lines after the day of the Doctor. Because, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was back in July. I must have just written down too many Teslas in my notebook. And I went, <laughs> I, and you know what that has to be. It's like, all right, so how do you, how do, you do that? Because he's not a Gallifreyan Time Lord. All right. So, you know, well, you just have them from different periods. So okay. I mentioned this on a on a an incomparable episode. I think maybe the Doctor Who episode that it isn't it convenient that the doctor who travels in time only ever meets himself with a couple notable exceptions, only ever meets himself again when he's another version of himself because then a different actor can play him. That's right. When he could yes. very easily meet himself like three or four times no, as no, the, as wait, the same happened. guy. Episode uh, was it three or four of uh, uh-huh. of the um, Christopher with, like, Eccleston you thing? He does meet himself. You, you didn't follow my footnote. You didn't follow my oh. footnote where I said oh. with a few notable exceptions. <laughs> but we all think about the many many multi doctor episodes. Yes. So with t- with too many Teslas, that's what we got. Oh, yeah. and, and and Glenn, were there three different recording sessions when you recorded those voices? There were Serenity. Mm-hmm. Help me remember. We went through 
We did one full. We did a read through. Then I think we, we did, did a, a basic read through. Then we did a uh, Tesla by Tesla recording, and oh that was God. split up over two <laughs> sessions. That's right. Because, because first... I reasoned, and rightly so, yes. that if yes. Glenn tried to read all of the Teslas in a row, we would get some very funky accent problems going on. Especially when mm. we decided that each Tesla was going to have a slightly different voice. Because if we tried to make them all have the same voice, I think our readers. Listeners may have gone insane, and it works because Young Tesla has editors. first off has like no accent, which is interesting, <laughs> or British almost accent. no accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that, that threw me when I first chipper. listened to the whole thing. That was like, wait, I'm started, I started trying to puzzle out which one was which based on how much accent they had, which sort of well, works, but to... also gets confusing at other points. And Prime I is tried the first. Yeah, the first read through, I did them as age. I was trying to do like, you know, this older Tesla is very old and tired. And then a younger Tesla who's very excited is like, no, you can't differentiate those too close together. No, no fact- I really like the um, the little things that you put into each Tesla, though. Like the, um, the oh, older yeah. Tesla, but not eldest Tesla, has a <laughs> habit of laughing after almost every line. Like, oh, oh, oh you <laughs> and silly he's, girl. And, and he's so amused. You know, he's like, oh, oh. Ha, me. Seen it all. Older Tesla, <laughs> because right. Because there are two of us. And that's good because te- our Tesla and older Tesla are the ones that sound the most similar. Um, but you're right. There are some differences. And then that was the one – because I was really worried. So first off, the reason the whole thing is in stereo oh is because God. of too many Teslas. Because I, I was desperately afraid yeah. that it would just be, you know, like the wall of sound. It would be like the wall of Glenn, right? Just oh all God. Glenn oh. voices everywhere. So I wanted to push them apart in the stereo sound field. But then the only other thing I had to do, honestly, to make it sound um, fine, I think, is I took older Tesla and he's – his EQ is different. He's got more bass and a little less treble. Um, mm. And that's about it. Otherwise, and he's in a different, he's in a very different position in the stereo mix. And that's it. And then with that, you can tell because Prime is slow and rumbly. And 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 young Tesla is high-pitched and uh, English, basically. And that that's good enough. You can get you can get by with with uh, those four. And we only hear youngest Tesla. Glenn also lost track of how many Teslas there were. Oh my god, it's so funny. There's youngest Tesla only has the Which line where he comes in at the end. Because we recorded youngest Tesla separate as a separate Tesla. Yes. We we're just like, I all just, right, com- now it's time for youngest Tesla. I was sick. I think how are, were all of us sick during the recording? All you of were us sick. were sick. Except yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm sick well. now instead. Sick. I'm sick for the most part. sickness. So we're recording that. My voice is going. That was part of what we had to split the uh, the multiple voice recording into, or the run, the separate recordings into multiple stages. My voice was going. I could I couldn't do the high pitched. You know. Right. We talked about me doing a ridiculous voice, but instead I just did ridiculous voices. It was much much better that way. And I and I remember it was. I think it was John Syracuse a couple of days after it came out. Just out of nowhere, this tweet pops up. What do you mean five Teslas? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and listen myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We recorded that at the end. He comes back. Yeah, he doesn't interact with the other four Teslas. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it made sense. But it's funny. We read it through. Even though I knew that's what it was, I had to listen to it to piece it together. I felt like Christopher Lloyd in uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3. (laughs) Great. I I had to map it when I was writing it because I had to keep them all straight. You know, I mean, how does the plot even work? And after doing that, I mean, I I knew once we had mapped out what we were going to do for the show, that was going to be the first thing I wrote because that was going to be the toughest one, just, you know, coherence wise. And, you know, after writing it, I had much greater respect for Stephen Moffat and a lot less respect for him because it's like it you you you, you shouldn't have to screw it up so often. Get yeah, it right yeah. every time. It's hard, but you could do it. You just have yeah. to have, you know, some 
paper and, and spreadsheets and things or whatever. There's yeah. a lot of excitement, right? You have, oh, I have so many ideas and I'm going right. to try and slam it all into this one thing. And sometimes yeah. that doesn't work so well. Yeah, oh, we don't yeah. have to have continuity. I mean, this is, I think, so I like to talk about the evolution of Tesla from script one to script two is that, mm-hmm. yes, you, it's clear, you know, obviously these were, uh, you put more uh, time and effort into them because the first time around we were just sort of playing around, didn't know what to do, and they were, it was super fun. This time everything was very layered and deep. Like I could feel your your playwritery in there at a, um, uh, at a, at a deeper level because not only did everything sort of connect up, but you added that emotional resonance. So, I mean, that's that kind of yeah. thing when you go from um, from parody to a complete character. So the first time around, there was a lot of uh, sort of parody. And the second time, it's like, no, this is a well-realized character you're thinking about in, in multiple dimensions in space and time. And you had the – oh, sorry. And you uh, – so I felt like there's actually – it was a full – blooded, you know, and for Dot as well, and these other characters, and there was an emotional thing there, too, and at the end, we're recording the bit about, you know, Dot's mother, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually feeling a little choked up about the, oh, okay, yeah. wow. I felt we, I, I liked that, that was Ren, I just thought we, I thought that was one of the sweetest parts, it's just like, uh, to actually do something, it's not, you know, it's not the running around and whatever, it's like, oh, we got some of that emotion that drives us to Doctor Who, too, got yeah. some of that in. Well, and, and I oh, mean, you guys did it so beautifully. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was even better than the way I'd imagined it, oh. and yeah, I mean, it was, and I mean, but I remember, Exciting. I think I was just finishing up the script, and I and I messaged one of you. I can't remember who it was, but I just said, "Ren is going to make me cry at the end of this." That's yep. that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep. And that was and me. then as I was revising it, it's like, "Oh wow, Glenn's going to make me cry too." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and then when I listened to the final version of it just before it went out. Um, you know, because I thought, okay, when Tesla Prime vanishes, when he's going, it was so nice to see you one last time. I was like, all right, yeah, that's going to make me cry. And, you know, yeah. I'd like to go home before. So, okay, that's going to make me cry. And I'm and I'm listening to it. And I hadn't realized just how much I'd put in this sort of like existential crisis for Dot through the whole thing. You know, it's like, Nick, don't you recognize me? So then when Tesla Prime shows up and she says, who are you? And he says, oh, Dot. Don't you recognize me? And oh, I just yes. lost it. It was like, oh, oh my god! That's... Also, the older the older Teslas, uh, is it? It is Prime. Prime compliments Dot because Dot figures out what's yes. going on. He says, "I thought you would get this," which yeah, I thought she's clearly, you know, oh, she's the, the best. Sarah Jane. So a, that is. yeah. If I could be a nitpicky nerd for a second, I have a question, which maybe maybe the the writer can answer. <laughs> What's that? How come? How come none of the other Teslas recognize none of the other companions? You would think at least one of them would recognize one of the other ones, depending on the linearity of time. I'm going to be a nitpicker. Well, no, I think. Well, I, they, they. I just couldn't they figure really, out. I, I think older, because older, I thought one of them was bound to recognize. Older Tesla the doesn't older. doesn't not recognize Dot. Younger right. the Tesla, oldest one, who's the one he with doesn't Polina, doesn't Dot. recognize them. But the one with Eileen does, and then Prime definitely does. Prime yeah. definitely yeah, they, does. I just the yeah. other two or three who are wandering around didn't seem to. There wasn't as much recognition well, the, as I expected. They don't acknowledge the them as much. It's sort of a tacit thing, right? Right. The only I was just curious. I, the, it stuck. In, that was one thing I was like, "Oh, I wonder. Mm. I wonder if there's something else going on here. Is there like a multiple universe <laughs> thing?" Or, stream. Well, there's the, even no, more. I mean, our Tesla and older Tesla. By the time they come out of the Tesla later, they're already wrapped up in the in the paradox of this and trying right. to figure out how to right. solve it. And so they're just sort of like, "Oh yes, other people here." Hi, how you doing? <laughs> and they just get on with. But it you are not Tesla, so you you're not you're yeah. Not, 
Yeah. You're not worthy and of our notes right now. Well, I mean, yes. Because <laughs> we get an explanation for the non-Teslas in a, in a, oh, in a that tablet. Is my nice and, line. favorite line Here's when the I was thing, writing it. it was like, one of the best things the about this is we're reading the script. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, one of the best things about it, we're reading the script and the New Yorker Hotel comes up and I'm like, wait a minute, weren't Ren and Dan just at... The New, New Yorker, Yorker Hotel. Hotel. That was kind of freaky because we I have a picture. At that point. I, I don't it was know. A nice if, coincidence. I don't know if I sent it to any of you, but I, we went up to the rooms where yes. he where he was, and we took pictures because they have plaques on the doors for his room oh and his gosh. study. Um, and so it was very weird to hear that like the next week. <laughs> it's like whoa. Yeah. I was a little eerie. I, I was like, it all wraps around. How nice. So creepy. Yeah, it was that whole thing was very funny too because we um we got that hotel quite by accident. We were just kind of like do 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 hot wire cheap hotel in this area, and then I think I got the first draft of the Tesla script right before we went. And I'm like, oh, bleed <laughs> <laughs> universal bleed through. Um, well, David will tell you I have I wrote a, a part of a spec script for a Tesla that I sent him so. <laughs> And We're I writing spec scripts we'll, of... We'll I decide whether it's... I, uh, I woke up, like Tesla, I woke up one morning and in my head was fully formed this entire part of a plot. So I wrote it out yeah. and sent it to him, who's actually yeah, a professional, and we'll works. see what happens. Well, me, Yeah, and meanwhile, I've sent him jokes and ideas for Fog episodes, too. I think we went back and forth at some point, what because was, when we were in Montreal recording, yes, I I came up with a... Jason and Ren and I were at dinner, and we were talking about filling up wine glasses or something like, oh, uh, yeah, the sommelier. Time, oh, yeah. the sommelier would be a great Fog villain. He would just keep, like, clouding your mind by refilling your yes. wine glass while you're not you passed out, yes. I have prepared for you a real cooker, Mr. Fog. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that at some point. That, that seems like a fun that one. one. Will yeah, be really fun. Well, I, so I should say the only thing that I changed after Day of the Doctor was that I added in the whole thing with the phone ringing, and where where he goes, brave words, Donna Michi, because I just loved the brave words Dick Van Dyke line in Day of the Doctor. Uh, <laughs> That's the that. only thing I added in. And and then it, it, the the reason the phone rings now like Amici that name rings a bell. At that period, Don Amici had played Alexander Graham Bell in the story of Alexander Graham Bell. Oh! And people started calling the telephone the Amici for I you know. I did not know that. <laughs> it's a really weird, obscure Turner Classic Movie kind of fact, but that's what we expect from you. That's right. You and Philip Michaels are the two people this, you expect that from. This is not the densest joke in the show. So That's no, it's not. I'm so saying. Tesla, I wanted to. I have a couple points about Tesla that I wanted to make. One is that uh, it, it's the longest of the bits, and it was slotted first. Mm. And at in the last day before we posted it, I wrote to David <laughs> and said, "I think it's too long." Can we move it later? And are there things we could take out of it? And in the end, um, I, I, he and I kind of were on the same wavelength, I think, about what we yeah. were going to take out, which was there's a subplot about how Tesla is confused because his time stream is being rewritten or something. One of the Teslas is. And nothing, the older, older Yeah, Tesla, and nothing yeah. really comes of it. And it turned out yeah. that was really easy to lift out, and that got us an extra couple oh, of minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I it was you did a beautiful job good. with that. And we dropped, when, yeah. there was another act break. There was another act break with yeah. another commercial, and that dropped out and moved, the commercial moved somewhere else, the Kleinman's House of Music. Oh, that's right. And so it yeah. ended up meaning that, you know, you when you started with Tesla, after 20 minutes, you were on to the next thing, and instead of it being like 25 or something, it was, it was way too long to be first. I felt like it was like a mountain. Yeah. So so we pulled that out, and it worked, I thought it worked pretty well. I think well, so, it was too. Great. 
it, it was great because when you sent it to me, and when you said that, and I went, well, yeah, there is stuff that could come out. That that's the only one that I didn't I didn't really sit down and trim much. You know, after that, I started going, oh yes, this can be this and the. And but it's too so late you, to re-record at this point. So literally, exactly. we have to make do with what was. It's like trying to fix a film in editing. You can't go reshoot it. You've got what you've got. And and you said, you know, are there ways we can trim this down? So I'm sitting there, like going through the script then, and and like making notes. And, and I send you this email, and I think it was about three minutes later, you said, "Hey, check this out in the Dropbox." I was just doing this while while I was waiting, and it was almost exactly the same things I was saying. Oh yeah, that can go. That can yeah, go. That, no, it was and good. in the car. I, I, I yes. was editing that it was in the beautiful. car. <laughs> like coming down I five, sitting in the passenger seat, editing the. Uh, I wasn't driving. <laughs> I was editing while. <laughs> Riding, not driving. Uh, so, but that that worked. I was really um, once again, just as with the first Tesla, uh, Ren re-recorded all of her dot dialogue. Uh, I, I could a, tell. I could tell. It sounded, well, your voice was going like last year or last episode too. The it, uh, the first one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was I, the same deal yeah. where she re-recorded everything. But the fact is, there were lines in there that I knew that I would prefer an alternative because the voice was going, or they were a little squeaky, or the accent yeah. wasn't quite right. And so she recorded everything. I didn't use. Everything I used like about five or six lines, and it makes all, especially the quiet lines. Yeah. Uh, oh what, yeah, made all yeah. the difference. All so the thank difference. you for re-recording those. It's like a tradition now. At the last <laughs> thing I'm going to do is drop in a new version of Dot. I will say well, I got to hear for... oh, that side to... of it. Well, but yes. I heard your side of it as you recorded it, but I had no idea what the te- I read the Tesla episode, but hadn't really. It didn't sink in as much as if I had heard it. Oh yeah. And right. so it was very odd to hear the lines, the one-sided dot lines all read and being like, what is going on? And it wasn't until I got to listen to it, the full thing, you know, a week or two later that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those lines. Okay, this makes more yeah. sense now. Not entirely That's makes sense, but more sense. why she was weeping into the microphone. Yep. No, it sounded um, very sad. The one thing I find really hard, and I've got to tip my hat to, to directors who do this often, and especially someone like Orson Welles, who recorded so many radio plays of which he also starred in, it's oh. very, very hard to direct yourself while you're directing others. And mm-hmm. you feel very self-conscious about if you're in a group recording with people doing your own lines multiple times where there were definitely I'd say almost every recording session I do for the incomparable one we're directing is I'll run through my dialogue at 75 percent where I'm you know where it'll advance the story and give cues to other people Um, and then if I end up with takes that are that are good then I'll keep them and if not then I will just record them separately because I am a ridiculous perfectionist about stuff, especially when it comes to my own acting. And so it's it's really it's really hard to be able to take yourself out in the moment and be like, yes, these uh, this one line reading that I've done of this character works perfectly with dot. It's especially difficult because she just, you know, the the accent is hard and keeping her in character is hard and trying to like vacillate between yeah she is a little bit of a worrywart and a squeaky thing but she also has self-esteem and power and grace and apparently it's hard to balance that and also (laughs) keep an english accent and then and then you're sick and you've been recording a session for two and a half hours on skype and your voice is going just to add to the difficulty so it's an interesting collaboration kind of like a an asynchronous collaboration where when i'm sitting or 
or you know, I assume too when David was editing um, Lives of Paul Citrone, but when I was editing all the rest of it, that you know, I I would generally listen for the last. I, I would listen to all the takes, mm-hmm. but I would especially listen to the last one because the last one has this, or the last two because there's the last one and then there's the once more for safety sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, which we joke about, but that is that is sort of the pattern, and and oh, so yeah. that's sort of Ren's like Ren was good at at this point somewhere in here as the director, and then me as the editor. I'm listening to those back and making my own creative decision. And there are a few lines where I went earlier. I went like five takes earlier. And I'm like, I like that mm-hmm. better. I didn't like the direction it went. Most of the time, though, it's the last one or two. Um, and I'm just weighing whether the one for safety is is better or whether it's sort of like back on the downslope. They, they already nailed it. Now they're just doing it again for safety. But that was an interesting thing that just like the last time where um, – there are some lines that are half of one and half of the other. Andy Anatko, which we'll get to, um, but in, in Marjorie Carter, um, there was a line reading uh, that it's sort of a line in two parts, and the, he did he did it one time, and the first part is hilarious, and he did it another time, and the second part was hilarious, and I'm like, I think I can put those together, and I did, and it sounds great, and I'm like, yes, it's perfect, but it was one of those things that kind of happened. So it, I, editing is fun because you you do get some of that, but but it is this weird remote collaboration where I'm basing it on Ren being satisfied, and when when Ren's not satisfied, like there's um I can actually see it in the waveforms of the editor. I can see like <laughs> this, it's the same yeah. dialogue over yeah. and over, or like Dan will start talking with his fog dialogue, and he'll get halfway through, and then I'll see that Ren is going to say something, and that something is going to be stop, stop, do it again, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you put it together, and you you find the ones that that work, and and then with the replacing your dialogue as dot, it was the same same deal where I, I just had them lined up together and I would listen to one or the other and decide whether I liked the new version or not. And in the quiet stuff, it was definitely that way. We did lose Dot's um, almost Liverpudlian accent in, on one line early mm-hmm. on, which was really charming, but is not consistent in any way with her accent no. at any other point. Mm. So It's a fun <laughs> accent. Maybe an alternate universe stop. Yes, we can resurrect parallel that. Dot. Yeah, I find the recording is really... (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Too many dots. Put it in the notebook. Most people don't realize David has scripted this episode right now. This is all scripted. This is all scripted all, by all the Morse code jokes. Connect, wait, wait. No, no. <laughs> connect so, the dots. Connect the dots. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I just said dot to dot. We must create a super quantum superposition of all the dots in every possible universe. There is, Dash okay. it all. There is some really right. nice um, uh, nonsense dialogue that, that uh, Glenn had to make up to underlay some stuff when we kind of cut away to the companions. And they're saying, are you following this? I stopped listening a long time ago, which is really funny. Should... should um, give uh, some compliments as well to our other Tesla companions. We had Lisa yes. doing yes. her grumpy Russian, Polina. Oh, Thank God, God for great. Lisa's Russian. Oh, that was great. And Step then Erica, Erica Ensign Tesla came in with her, um, with her uh, kind of like completely clueless uh, American Keanu. companion, which Very Eileen, good. which I love too. The uh, first side, time that Erica read listening. for Eileen, I was a little, I was like, Oh no, this isn't going to work. And then she said her second line, and I'm like, no, this is going to work perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was just watching a Doctor Who. This will be this will make sense in a second. I was watching one of those behind the scene Doctor Who things from the 50th, and uh, I did not know that Perry was British. Oh yeah, uh, I had no idea. And she, she talked about how her they agent didn't know either. And, yeah, her agent made her essentially lie for years and years everywhere. And I was like, oh, well, she always had kind of a fun. I thought she was putting on a funny American accent. Like, no, she wasn't American at all. But but I thought Erica's uh, Erica's Eileen was um, fantastically uh, fantastically good timing. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, I think I Erica did a phenomenal job. Lisa it. did a phenomenal job. When I first got the script from David, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to read all three companions. <laughs> and let me tell you, that initial recording of me trying to suss out if I could do three different accents and three different companions alongside what was going to be Glenn's, like, five different Teslas is hilarious oh. and should Plus never see the light voices. of day. Plus the four other voices you're doing in the rest of the show. Yeah. yeah. That'd be, um, also, I wanted to say brava director. Thank you. It's, I, it's really wonderful. I mean, it's funny. I don't think I've been directed for many uh, years, at least in that fashion. And I, uh, the first time around was, oh, it's great. We don't know what we're doing. We're all exhausted back in April. And I mean, you know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And then, uh, and then this, was, uh, this was great. It just it felt like such a real thing to be doing. And you did a terrific job. And thank you for trying to pull out the best performance. It was just terrific. Well, thank yes. you. Absolutely. I'm, I was really happy with how a lot of it came out. I mean, with radio plays, it's always, especially doing this, as Jason said, asynchronously, where people are across the coast and sometimes you're not recording dialogue with the people that you're going to be actually acting oh, yeah. against. Um, it's It can be really, really dicey. And I think we just, we have an incredible level of talent for people who aren't actors in their day jobs where, you know, I can, I can say something very strange and something that I would probably only say to a fellow actor, like, pitch your eyes up a little bit northward. <laughs> and... <laughs> You guys have more or less been able to run with it, which I think is impressive. I mean, I just I've been so lazy about actually downgrading the direction to being like, okay, so you're going to make this thing with your mouth and it's going to but like everybody just did such a great job with um, with getting the performances that I think really nailed each of the sketches and proving that you're a story from the. Proving oh, that you're a time traveler, the- by the way, is that you mm-hmm. you did as I think we pointed out in the last one of these that you did direct a radio drama, do radio drama in college, which I did. It's kind of hard to play. So you and David get to be our get to be our ringers there. Go ahead, Glenn. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking uh, when I was in um, junior high and high school, I did a ton of theater, and uh, once we did of mice and men. So of course you can imagine the part I played, which was the one arm or one handed. Uh, what was his name? The 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 the. Um, other guy in the camp with George and Lenny. There's a guy who's like a one-handed, you know, old guy with the prospector Old prospector, accent. yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I get to revisit those kinds of voices. It's really lovely. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and also Scott McNulty is credited in the cast as Kasuk. That, of course, is the mute Inuit <laughs> companion, which I love the idea that, that at one point Tesla, a radio uh, character, had a, uh, had a companion who didn't speak. That's a great joke. Uh, we should move on, I think, from Tesla. We've uh, been talking okay. about Tesla about as long What's as it that? took uh, to, uh, to the final Tesla. The first draft. Uh, the yeah. spooky twist. Should oh, we talk gosh. about? <laughs> sure. That one was hilarious to record, I have to say, because And that was recorded. I, we recorded. That's one of the few where we recorded it live with basically everybody who's in it. Phil and Lisa yep. and it were in a room with me and uh, across the country, Ren was on Skype and we did that whole thing uh, basically live. In under a half hour, which was yeah. very impressive. Wow. And, and Lisa, that, that includes Phil doing his, which we can mention at another point, his breakdown as Carl Phillips, the uh, Gotham Cigarettes <laughs> news announcer. That's right. Which was totally, he also did at the same time where he That makes me laugh stuff. every single yeah. time. Sorry, the, especially when you cut back after they take yeah. him off the air. Lies! Lies! lies. It's, it's a back of lies! It's a little quiet. If you, you have to strain a little bit to hear it, but it's I, I laugh every time because I forget so it's coming. Because being dragged out of the room. All, so all great. through Christmas. All through Christmas, both 
both of the kids have been going, unhand me, you godless heathens! <laughs> North, Dateline, North... As they North Pole. Are <laughs> really going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a newsman! I don't care if we're live, this is a Dutchie. News I'm not program. doing this. Uh, Dutchie, yeah. Originally, in the script, it said, I don't care if we're live, Snell. And he was like, I'm going to I'm gonna call it Dutchie. I'm like, okay. And then Dutchie's... You're Dutchie now. Dutchie, I, I play uncredited. I play Dutchie, which is literally me at my MacBook's uh, uh, built-in microphone going... And just dropping it in because we wanted a little uh, Charlie Brown kind of... Thank you, Charlie Brown teacher. ...thing thing there but the spooky twist we did in like yeah 25 minutes basically performed live with a few a few uh restatements of dialogue and uh and then dropped in david as the announcer uh and john syracuse as the pa announcer later but uh but phil and lisa and ren were all there uh there live and that was uh that was hilarious to run through it especially since you get to see you know you read the script but you, you once you see the the jokes actually landing it's different <laughs> and when we get to the oh, moment yeah. where uh the the bag of tin cans ends up being the bag of christmas presents it just <laughs> where we're, we're suddenly as i said to phil while we were recording and i said you need to act, act surprised because this is the moment when you realize you're in the wrong twilight zone episode <laughs> 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 and every time every time i hear Christmas presents <laughs> again. I'm I'm just on the floor. He tried to do. He is uh, great. He tried to do a Burgess Meredith, and he realized his voice wasn't going to get through it, so he turned it into this. I don't even. I don't know, know how any of our voices got through no, that sketch. Know. To be perfectly honest, after I did Roxy, I could not speak for a good three hours. Really? Yeah. Well, I had no. I I mean, to do it, I was basically throwing my voice forward, and I was doing like the. Oh, oh, I'm the okay. I'm I'm yeah, using yeah. the scratchiest tough, Mads you know, tough girl voice. Mads yeah, it's Malone. Okay. So I had no idea what <laughs> voice to do for that, and I finally settled on kind of a I don't know exactly. Uh, uh, it's not. It's a little Damey. Yeah, well, it's it's Damey. I'm thinking of a specific actress, and her name is flown flown the coop right now. But um, yeah. it just sort it's of a... came to me in the first two yeah. lines, and then from there, I'm like, well, this hurts my voice like the bejesus, <laughs> but it sounds so good, sounds good and yeah. I'm gonna yeah. love <laughs> listening to it later because I can't tell it's me, which is always the exciting part in a oh, when yeah. I'm like listening to myself. It's like, I don't want to know that I played it. Listen, I was trying to figure out, I I thought it was Steve Lutz doing the the Burgess Meredith role. I thought it was Burgess Meredith doing Steve Lutz. Now, um, I also really love the, uh, again, one of those things that comes through in the the edit afterward is I found this stock uh, harp. A little arpeggio, oh God. yeah, it's so which good. is which is so also it's so of that time of like not even of the of the radio time but of the of the Twilight Zone time. It's that code for we're in heaven, like we're at the pearly gates kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then John Syracuse comes over the PA, and the part that floors me in that whole thing <laughs> is actually then and then we hear Lisa, and it's the one time where we're not in the roller drome, so it's not echoey. There's no background noise. It's completely silent because we're in yeah. heaven. Only the announcer. And Lisa, when she's up there, live in heaven, right? And she and she goes again. All right, I love that moment because you know where is she? She's like literally just floating. All we've heard is the harp, and now there's this voice, and we're like, okay. And then we're back into the the roller drome, and there all the oh, yeah. the skateboard and, sound effects that and, I dropped in to be. And may skating. I say, David, I was flattered. They to, were be, to have a roller drome named after me. Yes, <laughs> Dan and I have roller rinks uh, named for us. Which is nice. It was it was hard Roller to resist. Rings in the sky. And I, I I can't remember who it was. I saw tweeting. It's like they mentioned Evansville, Indiana, on yeah, the incomparable. Yeah. Why? <laughs> it's like yeah, I 
it's three hours away. I yeah, I was watching Futurama <laughs> once, and for some reason, Futurama made this reference to uh, it was like space trains. And they said, "Oh, it's the biggest train yard outside of Eugene, Oregon." I'm like, "What <laughs> are you?" What? Well, all the Oregon references in those things are probably Matt Groening's fault because he's it's in Oregon. True. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. So we should we should mention but, for those who don't know, and God. You you really should the, the the spooky twist. By the way, gifts of the Maggie. The title read at the yeah. end at the end of our recording session, which led to booze and, and actually I think an fu from Phil Michaels. Yes, <laughs> the, the joke is so bad at the end. We come th- I, this way. I booed when I was typing it. The man collapsed amidst complaints of the tintibulation of bells, 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 bells. As he was loaded into an ambulance, he shouted, I want to live! Upon arrival at the Seneca County Hospital, the ambulance was found empty, as if he'd never been there. Let me take that again. Tintinabulation. 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 Dateline. Babaru, Wisconsin. Baraboo. But <laughs> <laughs> he's just screwing with you now, isn't he? David Lore is just trying to make you mess up. Dateline. No oh, Lore. <laughs> Wondered if the story could be turned into a holiday novelty song in her memory for fun and profit. Her husband and grandson, are they the same person? <laughs> Wonders the newsman breaking character. Ah. <laughs> You have been listening to Gifts of the Maggie by Norton Oberlin on the Spooky oh, Twist. Wow, yeah, that's the. Oh, David Lore. We should have him on this just so we can boo him in person. Punchlines yeah. within punchlines. Oh, yeah. within oh I booed him. Punchlines. Fair enough for the Tesla. Oh, my Tesla is just oh, my a God. mess. Yeah. Oh, man. But that this is, this is so a, bad. Game of, a game of pool and then Night of the Meek. Mm-hmm. From the Twilight with, Zone, smashed with, together with a bag of tin cans, and <laughs> and one line at the end yes. that ties to Passage for Trumpet. So it's like another Jack Klugman episode. Yeah, Lisa's <laughs> looking for another episode at the end, and it fades out. And we're done. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, because the spooky twist is an idea I had somewhere in July or August again, where it was you know just do that kind of thing, but then you have your ridiculous ironic twist, and then a second ridiculous <laughs> twist on top of it, because you know it's like. The the guy is going along. He's he's happy. He's going to escape this little town, and then he's hit by a truck driver whose glasses broke. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as soon as as soon as it was like, oh, let's do a Christmas episode. It's like, well, I got to do Night of the Meek. Okay. Full credit and, to uh, uh, to Chris Breen, by the way, who we'll put in the oh. show notes. He did a whole bit again of explaining all the work he did and all the music you hear. Um. I think, with the exception of the. Uh, Apple stock music that I used as an inside joke in the uh, in the Adult Swim ad. All the yes. music in there is uh, is Chris Breen, and he really uh, knocked it out of the park with the spooky oh. as twist, usual. which is as Twilight Zony as you can possibly get. Oh. No, you know Just the problem. The, the Paul Citrone music. I could not get the Paul Citrone music well, out of my, oh my head God. after I listened to it. For yeah. well, <laughs> you can download the full tracks and listen to his his oh, man. Logic uh, Apple Logic has a zither patch. Apparently, that saved our bacon. And thank God.
I, d- oh. I, mean, I just I could not get that out of my head for like three full days. It's so it catchy. I mean, that's kind great, of the goal. Oh if you ever listen to the Third Man Zither, mm-hmm. yep. that stuff sticks around in your head for Forever. days. No, and Chris clearly listened in Citrone. Cl- Chris clearly listened to the the Adventures of Harry Lime because he realized just how much zither there is. And if you haven't listened to those, you can get they're on archive.org, well, I think, for free that you can yeah. you can go listen to them. Well, but I mean, put put the link in the show notes. Endless, it is, yeah, it is and zither. they're amazing. Really a good series. It, it's, it's great. It's so much fun. If you want to yeah, listen mean, to Orson Welles at his best, yeah. <laughs> The first time I, I listened to it, and again, I wasn't planning on, oh, let's do Harry Lime. Um, but, you know, the first few episodes start off with that almost word for word, you know, the, the zither playing and that, that was, was the, the shot, shot that killed, killed Harry Lime. <laughs> and as soon as I heard that, I went, that was the shot that maybe it was that one. No, maybe it was. And I went, OK, so I have to do that. And But then you listen to the shows. And it's great because no one else gets any credit on the show. It's always Orson Welles recreates his famous role as Harry uh, Lyon, the third and, man, and, and the zither music by <laughs> Anton Karras. Yep. And half of every damn episode is just the zither. Yes. And if you listen to about, I don't know, 10 of them within <laughs> two days, you start to recognize cues and you go, oh, it's the same music every time. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a union gig, David. Yeah. yeah. Good and, money. Uh, but, but, you know, the more I, I did research into that, it turns out for the original movie, Carol Reed, who directed it, uh, he didn't know what he wanted to do for the music. And, he you know, they were filming the film in Vienna and he went to a restaurant and he heard Anton Karras playing in the restaurant and he said, that's it. That's Vienna. And all the rest of his producing partners said, uh, no way in hell are you going to put that in the movie because that's horrible. <laughs> and he stood his ground and he said, by God, the only instrument you will hear in this movie is the zither. Oh. God damn it. Yeah. And and so all of the music in The Third Man is like a big F you to the rest of the producers. And so that's part of why it's in the radio show so much, too. And so, so yeah, it was like, oh, we have to do this because, you know, the gunshots and the zither and the bad accents. And it's wonderful. <laughs> so and I, yeah, as I have soon to as thank heard, you, David, for uh, not only writing... Uh, and starring as Paul Citrone, but also editing this episode or the, uh, this segment oh. of the show, and which basically directing it too. Right? Well, I was of, not yeah. on those recordings. I, I record. And- I recorded uh, most of the guest star stuff, except for uh, your your ringer, David Amy Ratchford. Yeah. Um, but but we we got we gathered John Moltz. And 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 oh my God, Moises and, Chuyan, who oh, came who oh came in to God, read Rod. read Rainer and Shine with Tony Sindelar and stuck oh around God. to be Frau Kitzel, and he steals well, the whole thing. Well, because he said, you know, who who else is going to be in this? And, and I when he was well, Jason is thinking about doing Frau Kitzel, but we just want we want Frau Kitzel to be a man. It's like. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep going. Come on. And he has so many ad libs in there that I just, I kept dropping in 
stuff that he had just ad-libbed in the background of the sound mix all the way through. <laughs> I didn't even use half of what I have. There's there's one point I actually I accidentally erased it. I wanted it to be in there when uh, when Paul Citrone is complimenting the the woman who turns out to be a nun on being pure as the driven snow. At one point, you would hear Frau Kitzel in the background going, Frau Kitzel is the mistress of her domain. Jason, if you do not want to be Frau Kitzel, I could be Frau Kitzel. <laughs> that sounds absolutely delightful, as delicious as Paul Citron. Ooh, it's good, yeah. I give you a third one, because I want you to have choices, you beautiful man. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Only Frau Kitzel. She's the mistress of her domain. <laughs> Ola, dance again. <laughs> she's she's handsome woman like Dame Edna, but German. Frau Kitzel is always at the bottom. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, Steve, to receive your genius in whatever form it might take. Let's stack the schnitzel high tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Just buried in with all the music. and How angry I still am that there was a segment that involved German accents and I wasn't involved. But I've got to say, having 20 minutes of the show... I, I can live with it, but I was still like, oh my! I was just like, they did, they did. What? This is this was our opportunity to get some to get some uh, guest stars in. So we got John Moltz, was who great. was great as was great. as the villain in Tesla last time, back playing essentially a pan-European accent. We decided, David, it's sometimes Spanish, yes. sometimes French, sometimes German. We don't know what yeah, it I is. Noticed, I didn't know I it was that. him. He was wonderful. It's always delightful. But he's he's basically Belloc. Basically, it's just be Belloc, yes. be yeah. a slimy yeah. European yeah. foe. Every European. Um, and then we got we got Moises to to cameo, which was fun. Right. I got Tony Sindelar, who's been in many episodes of The Incomparable, but wasn't on the radio play the last time. And he was very he was reluctant. He was like, I can't act. I can't do voices. I can I can be like an orc when we play D anD D, but that's about it. I was like, Come on, you can do it. And he did. He 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 was a good. Sport. He did a fine I enjoyed job. Their, I enjoyed their pairing. Rainer. Shine, uh, and then and then uh, Steve Lutz rolls right up, and he's Come got a great shine. kind of like Nazi commandant thing going as yeah. Sergeant Belko. So a little too good, yeah. And, so, and then <laughs> and then Merlin Man graced us with a three with with three lines, dry, counting that one, and is I, and is I shot summarily. And, uh, and his body falls about four times. <laughs> well, he was struggling. And that is intentional. He was trying he's to just, stand. So yeah, so I, that, I lots say, lots of guests. Listening. After listening to the uh, host Gator ad, I did sign up seven times. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, props to, to Amy who oh who works uh, oh in Virginia. Is that right? Yep, uh, Stanton, Virginia. She's the managing director of the American Shakespeare <laughs> Center. Yeah. That's wow. that was the sultriest podcast advertisement I've <laughs> yep. ever heard. Yep. The next time if, I read a host Gator ad, I'm going to feel oof. so. I may just rerun that forever. We'll pay <laughs> we'll pay Amy a royalty and just run that ad forever. I want to know the conversion rate on that. It's, well, and and she, I mean, she is a ringer because she she doesn't do a lot of acting now, but she's done uh, voice acting when she was lived in New York, and she did uh, lots of incidental voices for the series Daria on MTV. Oh, so it was like, yeah. ooh, so her yes, voice is yes, a come familiar. over here. So she is That's our good. professional. She was terrific, mm-hmm. so. the lone professional. Yes, <laughs> and and you know, it's always fun to flirt with her, especially when she's a nun. So you know, <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was I good. didn't mind that. And that, that is a Hudson Hawk reference, the nun who works at the Vatican in the middle yeah. of this caper. And Thank you. So I that see. was for you. That's for Dan. And not, <laughs> and not for Phil Michaels. And not for <laughs> Phil Michaels. 
Nothing is for Phil no. Michaels, except maybe right. bag of tin cans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bag of oh, tin cans. Oh, the warned me never to trust the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see what 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 else. Anything more? Any more notes about Citrone, David? You're um, the one who had to. It, it was very funny because you know, well, I, I'm oh. editing everything else and struggling <laughs> through it, and 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 I, I'd ask David, okay, how's Citrone? That's the one part I'm trying, like, like total control freak. I'm like, it's the one part I have no control over. How's Citrone coming? And David's like, it's it's going fine. But I until like three days before we dropped the episode, I hadn't heard it. A single thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, it that had last, to be dropped fully formed. Yes. I think somewhere in that last 48 hours, I probably edited for 30 of them. Yeah. Just sitting here, piecing, you know, and then tweaking this and that, and then trying to get the one track to sound like it wasn't everybody standing at the bottom of a well. Right. So that was interesting. I learned all kinds of new tricks in audition for that. Yeah. It ended up sounding um, great. We, we The first draft, I had I had a bunch of notes about, like, the EQ here and there, and then I got the yeah. I got your version, that supposedly the final, and it's, you know, we were getting ready to go, and I listened to that, and I was like, and it's perfect. <laughs> it's like, it was one of those moments <laughs> of, like, how's it going to sound? It sounds perfect. All right. And you, you know, you had passed out and were drooling on your desk at this point. Oh, but, yeah. But you, you came through. It was great. It was perfect. And I didn't have well, to and, do it even better. <laughs> well, it, it was it was kind of fun because I'm also very much a perfectionist when it comes to that. I might, I might slap together a draft of a script, but when it comes to making sound, I want it to be perfect, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's like, okay... We'll move this ad lib over here. Let's move this little clip of of Lutz going, yes, they're good. Right. Well, no, okay, it sounds like he's actually in the conversation. So no, 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 I've got to move that over here. And, and you know, I mean, one thing that's interesting at Frau Kitzel's, the, apparently the band only knows one song and they will not stop no, playing No, they won't it. stop playing. I loved that. I thought that gave it real atmosphere, oh. like you were trapped <laughs> in this place. And, and It's like the uh, Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Shoot uh. a guy, keep playing. So we do have another episode of The Lives of Paul Citrone that people will hear at a, at a future a future date. We didn't record it, but it's written and was performed live at Singleton in October. So it'll be back. I'm going to sign off for this episode and let you all continue all right. to talk about Goodbye, talk about episodes I'm not in. Well done. Thank you all. Goodbye, Goodbye Glenn. to Glenn and Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. And Glenn. And Glenn. That's all me. That's my one-man show, all six of me. What's that? Bye, Glenn. Bye. <laughs> I, I still have one more oh, Citrone. More thing. Citrone. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, one one last thing. Uh, his his alias of well, his, the the name of the actor Guy Van Stratton plays Paul Citrone is the name of the character in Orson Welles's film Mister Arkadin, which he uh, based on three scripts that he had written for the lives of Harry Lime, but they wouldn't let him make a new Harry Lime story, so he just changed the name. Huh. So in the movie, it's Guy Van Stratton. So go figure. Uh, more, more obscure. Uh, more, more obscurity references. <laughs> that the the annotated version of this is going to be great. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's going to be like as long as the script. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, Paul Citron. Paul Citron will return. <laughs> so Marjorie Carter, freelance adventuress. Adventurous by nature. Yeah, we Dan, you came in late as the announcer because I, I, <laughs> I like to vary the announcers. But well, job well done. It was a perfect choice. Yes. Oh yeah. Increasingly starts to sound like a newsreel guy. I love the Rock, the Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> now pay licensing fees to Jay Ward for the format of this podcast. Tune <laughs> <laughs> in again next time for.
I, I was going to say, I you know, when I came up with the idea, I was like, oh, I like this concept. And, you know, a female <laughs> Indiana Jones, that's great because there's so many men in the in the incomparable. And it's like, okay, female hero. Yes. Okay. And then I sat down and was like, um, what is it like? And then, and then somewhere along the way, I went, hey, it's Rocky and Bullwinkle. Done. <laughs> then it was know, just coming up with bad puns. Again? Patrick never works. Fifth time for sure. Presto. Moose and squirrel. Moose and squirrel. This week's episode of He's... My Little Pony was about a female Indiana Jones, but she's also a pony, so I don't think anyone will notice. <laughs> this mm. is true. Reindeer, lad. It's been said that the lion's den is guarded by a herd of specially killer green reindeer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no doubt his whistle called them to action. There's no such thing as dragons, mister. He's tragedy, Natasha. Don't you mean strategy, boys? No, it's tragedy. Moose and squirrel must die. <laughs> that strategy never works. <laughs> but he's not so much a pit as a pool. A pool soon to fill with molten gold. A flood of molten gold pouring forth from... Yes, you guessed it. <laughs> See, poetic. Now who's waddling? <laughs> Oh, is that going to be our newest insult? All right, you three. It's very cheap for you. Hands up and single file now. R2-Daytoa. C-3-P-O-R. carbon chamber. Very reasonable. Only used once. Only used once, yep. An old lady had it. Kept saying she would freeze things one day. She never did. <laughs> Brought it into a shop. Asked for a special 120 volt upgrade. Never came back. Never picked it up. I charge only cost of repairs. You take it out of my shop. Some people say she was hit by a pod racer, but we do not know and do not care. And the body is buried in the desert. Yes, lives. She's my master. She's my pod one. She's my pod This is like episode one and a half. Yep. Yep. You do. You well, kind well, of sound like the newsreel guy from Cora. I do. Is... I realized that later. I was like, that's the voice I was actually ended up doing. Well, Marjorie and her could... friends get out of the evil airbender. More to come. Uh, <laughs> this and this one was one that we really did record um in one piece live, basically. Which is funny because I again I didn't hear my narration until I heard the entire thing. I'm like I have no idea what I'm reading right now. <laughs> right. Well, all of the temp tracks it was me narrating it uh, bad, actually really badly, like literally making mistakes. But I just left it all in there because I was mailing it in because I knew it would be replaced. And then in the very end, you were that was one of the last things I dropped in was your your uh, your narration. It really tied it all together. It, I it, it tied the room together. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's it's Steve and Monty. Uh, Ren obviously is Marjorie Carter the part she was born to play and um and I'm going to I'm going to say it again boy I I'm going to give myself some credit when I cast Andy Anako in something I make good decisions and then Andy brings his A game because Andy is a great villain in Marjorie Carter Andy just loves to do fantastic voices and he is so good at it it is ridiculous great. Now Andy Andy Anatko, you know, again, he, we, we had him oh, be yeah. uh, George Surratt in, uh, in uh, Tesla last time, and he did, a, he did an accent. And here, he is a, you know, old-time villain part, 
and it is hilarious. And the line that kills me, the one that the, that I said I added two bits together, is when he says, "Curse you, Marjorie Carter, oh, and yes. your surprisingly detailed knowledge of Finnish <laughs> history." It's great. <laughs> oh. I can't. I think I had him read that a couple times. You did. Initially, he he did the very like curse you and your detailed thing of Finnish yes. history. And I'm like, think about that for a moment. Yeah. And, and so then he did it all. He did it all one way, and then he did it all the other way. And I just cut them together so that he yep. makes the pivot. And, uh, and it's it's perfect. Oh, it's so lovely. Because it's almost as if he wants to say, "And your little dogs." <laughs> oh yeah. Too. And then he's surprised. He's like, "Strangely detailed knowledge." Yes. <laughs> Uh, that, that's, I love it. That's good. And and Steve is sort of doing Timmy Preston Galaxy Scout <laughs> as the po- side, as sidekick to... Milo. But I, what, for all little kids or old ladies, I choose or Nazi commandants. I think Steve Lutz. That's my casting decision every time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You make good decisions. <laughs> Just. To... But dear, you're absent. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Um, the, dro- the droopy dog voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Monty, uh, Monty as Rudolf Dritta uh, was uh, very funny too because he um, he he's the the exposition of the group. He has to do all the exposition, which is and he does it in a that character is funny because it's like he's offended that he has to provide the exposition, but he has to provide all the exposition. And there's a great I, line, and then he gets into it. And you know, it's mm-hmm. like the first couple of lines, he's like. Well, you don't know this, you yeah. don't know this, but here's another fact you should probably know. And I love the line when, um, when so Scott McNulty, who was guard last time, is Finnish henchman this time. Uh, God! Cal- Caligon, because there's a cheap Caligon take them away <laughs> joke in there. Um, and uh, there's a there's a great moment where, where Andy says, "What took you so long?" And Scott says, "We they stopped for exposition, sir." <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I that made me laugh a lot, and then uh, of course the end, the terrible joke here at the end is Rudolph Dritta knows reindeer. So <laughs> let, let, let us let us take the well, part take the part of the audience member here and mirror their disgust in the actual recording. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'd like it to thud at least. Yeah, I think no, the the I like the, a turkey plummeting Rita from Lane. a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, potatoes rolling down the stairs. <laughs> God, God is my, my witness, witness. Rudolph Ritter knows reindeer. <laughs> I thought I thought these jokes. <laughs> I the but the one that makes me laugh is heard a reindeer. Yeah, I heard a reindeer. <laughs> we added that. We had we recorded that, that, that was the last the, second. That was like yeah. The, yeah, that was like the night or two nights before we we shipped the episode. Uh, Steve, when we were recording something else, and we had uh, we were recording um, Paul Citrone, and we asked Steve to just yeah. read that yeah, one line, right. and Monty mailed in a line and uh that that we added that little exchange because it was because we were listening to the 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 playback and it that and david was like well that that joke should be in there and i thought yes (laughs) yes let's do that joke so it's in there heard a reindeer i've heard a reindeer (sighs) yeah that that would be one of those like why didn't i do that the first time (laughs) jesus christ that joke so bad that we had to go back and record it just had to it was a moral imperative I'm just glad I wasn't around. I would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any Anything? Marjorie Carter is a little... I mean, you didn't have to do like a crazy accent or anything for that. That's a nice... No, uh, but that was actually really hard to do. I felt like I had a really tough time actually grasping the Marjorie Carter thing, in part because it we, was mostly my straight accent. And then I kind of dove into like, all right, what would... Uh, upbeat Indiana Jones sound like as female? And I kind of went with that eventually. And I... 
I think you nailed it. I mean, it is hard when you're not when you don't have the accent to fall back on. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It is harder because you have to think about like pronouncing words in a way that isn't your normal voice. That Mm -hmm. like you're just talking because it it does have to sound a little bit, you know, more purposeful. And yeah, because I mean, listen to me read right now. This sounds terrible. (laughs) I can't just walk in and do that. But the accent I mean, you gives could, you like a crutch. But, you, but the accent gives you a certain amount of crutch. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm thinking. What's yeah. your character? Well, English is my character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. English. Yeah. Well, and I remember, I remember you asking. It's like, should you know, is this more of a Barbara Stanwyck, or is this a Gene Arthur, or or is it like Harrison Ford being kind of tired? And <laughs> you know, and I went, and, and it was like you know, Lucy saying, maybe you have pantophobia. That's the fear of everything. <laughs> That's it. And yeah, I mean, that was perfect. The massive combination. Yeah. Well, the thing I always struggle with um, in voice balancing, too, is it's not necessarily, you know, too similar to my own voice, whatever, as long as it sounds like the character, but trying to keep the word pronunciations and the syllables different from the other characters in the series, like making sure that I'm not saying the same word the same way for each character in the uh, in the show. Yeah, it's it's especially when, you know, like in the last one, you were practically every female character. And this one, not so much, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, trying to differentiate between the characters. It's a fun challenge, though. Yeah. I really I really enjoy doing lots of voices. I think that's my I, – I will never say no to reading scripts, especially if they involve outrageous voices. Uh, also, I wanted to say the uh, – the other again, I, Andy has seen enough old movies that he knows how how what the old old movie villains sound like. But his the way he tossed off parts of his dialogue just killed me. Where he's like the sampo, like he's not he's not emphasizing. He's like you know that's not a thing, right? It's yeah. Ah, uh, that that was maybe one of so my favorite perfect. line readings in that. <laughs> you know that's not a thing, right? <laughs> oh, Marjorie Carter. It's poetic. Yeah, and we also wanted to make sure that we had a uh, uh, David. Right, this was this was also the idea of having uh, a, a segment where the the woman is the lead because we have too many of these. Yeah. Like with the fog and with Tesla, we've got the the male lead. So to have Marjorie be a a female lead was a, an important uh, choice. Oh, yeah. creative. I was mm-hmm. very careful this time about balance. I mean, that, I mean that's almost why there's that sequence, right? You've got you've got Tesla, then you've got the spooky twist, which is two women for the most part of it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Paul Citrone, which is really just Paul talking a lot. <laughs> a whole lot. And uh, lighting up <clears> cigars <throat> and drinking whiskey after whiskey, <laughs> as implied by the sound yeah. effects. Yeah. He's a 1930s I, misogynist, but he does it so well that you kind of <laughs> don't mind. <laughs> exactly. Tell us exactly. another story, creepy Uncle Paul. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just loved throwing in the, well, I don't confess my sins to just anybody. It's like, well, yeah, I do it to a radio audience, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then Marjorie being, you know, she's, she's Indiana Jones basically. Yeah. And then the fog, I mean, the fog is kind of nicely balanced between Margot and the fog. Right. She gets to be heroic more often. Especially in this one. The fog is really ineffectual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You might call him insubstantial. Yeah. Um, The fog has good intentions. Well, he every once in a while, right at the end, he pulls something out. Right, you know, he disappears, but like he can't really do anything because he's fog. He disappears and reads poetry, (laughs) but it's really creepy. It really just like messes with people's heads. Basically, I'm waiting for that fog fan fiction to to happen. I'm just I'm telling you. 
Just fog. wait. There it's, is a Twitter account. Uh, yes, the yes, Fog tweets. Is. You can you can follow the Fog at the Fog tweets. That wouldn't be fan fiction because I believe the author writes runs that Twitter account. Hmm. I have no. Idea. <laughs> it's very odd for me to talk to the Fog account. Yeah. It is it's strange. very odd for me. Frau Kitzel has an account now, mm-hmm. too. And, and she flirts with me, and I have nothing to do with that. That is all Moises. <laughs> yeah, that's all Moises. Oh, and, uh, Moises. My goodness, so, that man can flirt. So in the last uh, radio drama, I made, I made a distinct effort to do no, no acting of characters and only, only ridiculous things in uh, commercials or as announcers. And I actually read a part in The Fog, and I'm still not quite sure what I think of that. But he's there. He's a guy. And, and my, and my, my <laughs> the favorite, direction, the direction is, is the best. Because every time I read a line, Ren would be like, okay, creepier. <laughs> well because Nailed i didn't it. think winston was that creepy when i first read it and then when we're reading it no, i just like, thought i just thought okay, he was completely I see this. he's a stuffed shirt completely ineffective and uninteresting kind of a human blank and then over time too. it's more like why are you tying up mademoiselle de mazenou that's like the best part of well, the new year's party yeah he's he's an ineffectual stuffed suit who uh, you know, you've all met people like this who are like, they're so awkward that it comes off as creepy. And you yep. know they're not yep. really creepy, but there's that vibe. He's really and you captured it, it perfectly. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Did you even have to do any acting? <laughs> or there just kind of a I, just had to, thing? I just had to tap into the uh, creepiness of... Uh, Mademoiselle your, your de inner, Your inner creepy man. Yeah. I did I did originate that role on the stage, though. Then in, that uh, is true. Did. In, uh, in Montreal. I beg your pardon, Miss Drummond. On this ship, the floozies are at least eight bits. Um, one more time, you're popping it on bits. Popping it. Popping it up. Popping and locking. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop. Like magnitude. You need a pop, pop filter. Mm. I have one. No, a pop, pop filter. Oh, I needed a second one. <laughs> If you pop it for longer than four hours, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason, actually, sorry. Yes. Can I have you do the... Tosh. Um, can I have the, uh, the It's Quite All Right a little more um, unintendedly creepy? He's... Uh, I feel like it's sure. that, it's that like older man yep. trying to corner... Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but he's all... Yeah, okay. Think about, like, if you're advancing on her, you're taking one step with Pish and another step with Antosh. Like, not in a super creepy way, but, like, in a just... There's no way that could possibly be creepy. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Well, it's... It's the, like... I was making him stuffy. You're making him creepy. All right. I mean... What would you do on the Klondike deck? I'm going to hold you to that, you know. Perfect. <laughs> oh, like, I yes, I will. I will hold you to that. Creepy old man is complete, Jason. <laughs> I've taken a picture and I'm hiding it away now. You Yes, yes. The notes of the Quebecois separatists would be in the aft section of the Moose Jaw deck. But this whole area is deserted. Uh, start Wait. from the beginning again. Quebecois. I said Quebecois. Uh, you said more like quick Quebecois. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I'm going to blame Skype on that. Cre- creepier, Dan. No. <laughs> the notes came across. Also, I can see all of you guys typing. It's driving me nuts. 
Yeah, it's a little poppy. Ah, pirates, frost pictures, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to kill all you right. all. <clears throat> I'm so tired. <laughs> what's that? Click it, click it, click it. At least we all type quietly, Serenity. Jeez. <laughs> I just assumed Simeon was like looking something up on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what is that? I'll just I'll just pull up my typewriter here it's and type something. It's not my fault. <clears throat> my microphone is pointed directly at my keyboard. What is that? I smell flowers, but how can that be? What's that? No, missed it. <laughs> Try it again. What's Harder that? Than it Try it again. <laughs> oh, I'm overthinking it. That's the problem. Every time I see what's that now, it's like, oh my God, I hope I say this. It's right. the hardest line it's ever. It's like one of the simplest line words in the English language. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to point out that there are three what's that's in three sentences. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, so many beeps. <laughs> Sorry. It's Skype. You guys oh, should turn. You guys, why is there a picture of Totoro? What is happening? <laughs> I'm not even seeing the Totoro. It just oh, says rejected. Just sending oh. canceled. Oh, oh it's, here it comes. Ah, well, I'm just going to send it now. I'm so confused. All right. Does it not even okay. put it in? That's, no. too, that's disappointing. Skype disappoints no. me. Steve. Is that what you're saying, Steve? Is that is that you, is that what you're saying? We oui, we oui. much of oui, the kitchen staff oui. is in league. What is that? Much of the kitchen staff is in league. Which is the league? Is the league? What's that? What is that? Ah. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so I'll do that again. <clears throat> Thank you for getting eh. most here. I'll do floor from now on. You shouldn't. Okay. Be switching since you're not going to do that part. I think you forget, Monsieur Fogg. I too have a gun. Whoa, Wait. whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> like wow, the mood changed quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I too have a gun. Wait, French. <laughs> what a great line to come in on, Jason. Yep. <laughs> I've now read. Suddenly, I, you do too have a gun. I know this I thing back here, Monsieur Fogg. I am a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big reveal. I and here is my gun. gun. I'm so glad that I did this, so we wouldn't be distracted. That's excellent. Oh, boy. <laughs> Quebec. 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 We will fight you to the death. He would say Quebec because he is a filthy American. Saint Clair, come on. I'm British, clearly. Uh, Saint Clair. Saint Clair. If so, you would know Quebec. I started tapping out an SOS on my pipes with the. My pipes. <laughs> I have a picture of that. Oh boy, Winston is very interesting. Oh, okay, I was say, boys. Where is Stephen Uendo when you need him? Mm. <laughs> Stephen Uendo. Be. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's gonna be like Lou Reed's Metal Machine music album, except it's just gonna be me and the spoiler horn, <laughs> like for 45 minutes. It's just Jason a, crying into his microphone. That's, that's how I have to. I, have, I, I, I owe 5x5 five five one more album before my contract is up, and it's all going to be spoiler horn. <laughs> I would buy that album. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the, the. Steve, the 2013 retrospective is going to be a clip of you picking Skeletor and spoiler horn for 45 and spoiler minutes. Horn. Yeah. That's right. 
That's it. A little bit of a disco beat background. Well, the I'm gonna I'm gonna sample the moment from this year. I'm gonna sample the spoiler horn and uh, and then play on the piano. I'm gonna play a spoiler horn based um, musical number. Yeah. <laughs> we can oh, have the spoiler oh, horn its favorite come moment. Come and, and get it, all the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, it's the spoiler horn's favorite moment is oh. <laughs> <laughs> have parallel infinite loops going. Yeah. See which one busts up the podcast <laughs> first. Yep. That is how we destroy the universe. You know, the spoiler who needs a Twitter account now. Oh, oh gosh, boy, that's evil. How's that? How's that Foggy account doing? <laughs> <laughs> Up to like six followers now. Well, I could uh, have one if you eleven. Had who are these eleven people? Yeah, Crazy spoiler people. horn always follows the fog, so you'd have one more. All and we got. Speaking of which, we got Jesse. So Jesse Char and Scott Simpson were at. At Singleton and Ren uh, talked them into being in our little thing on Shanghai is on, probably the appropriate yeah, word <laughs> on stage at the end and uh, and doing that and then um, two days again two days before the episode dropped uh, got them to record re-record their or record for the first time th- those parts that they read on stage and so those are the original uh, those are the original. <laughs> actors but uh, it, it, what's funny is that most of the edit of that uh, there are. Um, Steve Lutz is Dev Charest and, and Ren is Fleur de Mazenouve. And then at the very last minute, Jesse and Scott got dropped in. You would, who you would never know. They weren't there the whole time. This is a city. It's full of lights. You do the math. What are the two of you talking about? Oh, can't you guess, ma chère? No, that is why I ask. I was not talking to you. Using my innate mental abilities, and judging from the law of the economy of characters... I'm going to guess you're at the top of the dreaded league of fleur de lis Once again, très bien. You always did have a firm grasp of the Aristotelian unities. Is that what you call those? I am sorry. In this conversation, I am completely at sea. Not the sea, my friend. Just the harbor. Ah, now, ma chère, I'm afraid it's time for the two of you to walk the plank. Not so fast, chérie. Didn't anyone ever tell you? You can't hold on to the fog. I beg to differ. What do you think I was doing in Gestad? Looking for a cuckoo clock? What is this? Are you flirting with her? Seriously? Ferme la bouche. No. They right. they did they did very well. And we got two thirds uh, very... of you look nice today in this episode, so <laughs> <laughs> Lonely Sandwich didn't make it in. Next time. Sure. Next time. I've We're already started making it. lists of my future guest stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to get everybody who I was talking to somebody who was sad that they weren't that they weren't in it. And it's like, come on, you could have put me in. I'm like, oh well, next time there'll be a next time. There'll be plenty of Germans. We're, get, we're gonna be beating them <laughs> off with a stick next time, Jason. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You have to have yeah. auditions. Hmm. Auditions. Sure. <laughs> and then the um the the chock full of coffee um commercial in this one was actually recorded back in October and played at Singleton. So uh, that was that was work I already had done. That was great when something I could just drop old, that in. Something and, new. Yeah. And uh, David, not only is the music the same, but um, uh, Steve Letts' narration is the same, uh, essentially. Well, it Most, should be. Yeah. Much of it is just the same as it was. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I reused it, actually. Yeah. Uh, with, well, I mean, with, pretty much the only thing that's new is, is Phil and Lisa. Because it's... Yeah. Cause it's it's very Canadian centric. I've been yeah. driving across the Yukon all night, and boy, are my arms I tired. I get to the Maritime Provinces by noon. Yeah, <laughs> boy, are my arms tired. 
more who knew Phil Phil Michaels had so many different crazy voices. But he does. <laughs> I knew. I actually actually knew. You yes. knew. Yes. You just gotta let him let him go. And then uh yeah, so the fog. Uh, David, my question about the fog is, uh, I mean, first off, I have a yeah. question about what his power actually is, but my big question is, <laughs> plot-wise, he, he is trying to find Margot as Simeon and and hold onto her hand, and there, that's when I use the stereo separation to get them as far apart as possible, but it's like, that's not <laughs> my hand. Um, and then he's hit over the head by Charest, sweet to names, bub, and yeah. he wakes up tied to a chair, and and but Char- knows he's the fog. So so is he is he dressed like the fog? But if he is, then why is he trying to hold Margot's hand if he's dressed like the fog? Is the fog a costume, or does he just wrap himself in fog, or is he just a dude who has a voice that goes like this from time to time? I I want to know the answer. So explain heavy to me. smoker. Explain to me, author, how it, how can it be? Does he have a costume? How could it be that he gets knocked over the head, seen by Dev Charest, and not recognized as Simeon St. Clair? I actually think I know the, the magic of radio. <laughs> yeah. No, no uh, Jason, Jason, he's dressed as the fog, but the fog is so thick on the deck that Margot, Margot can't, can't see him. That's right. But, but yeah. he's going to lead That's her right. out, and then she's presumably going to see him, or is he going to ex- or is he going to excuse himself? After he's gotten her no, through he the door, to I mean, well, to go she back knows, to the party. Yeah. Remember? No, right, okay. I, I think go he's, I think he's party, like the shadow. I, I think he's like the shadow, where he has a cape, uh, or you know, a, a big over and hat. a little mask, he's got a scarf. Hat. He's got a hat, so you know, he can turn up the collar, he can turn down the collar, he can open the coat, he can take off the hat. All right, it's not a big costume, and he has the power to fog men's minds. So you know, okay. He has the power to stick his hand in people's yeah. face. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I haven't decided if he actually has powers or if he really is just, you know, somewhat deluded. <laughs> what what I like about But I don't I don't ever want to uh, really decide, I think. Uh, you know. <laughs> if you watch the movie version with Alec Baldwin, they actually put prosthetics on yeah. him when he is the shadow. He has like a large nose huh. and like his eyes change shape, which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean the nose the nose matches really the traditional covers of all the right. pulp things right but uh, you know it looks ridiculous on him but sure and sure. i, and I, mean, I love the movie it i mean it's flawed but i love it it's a great yeah. movie it's a great stupid movie yeah. it, i mean it really catches the <laughs> the feel of the originals yeah I, I love that it's totally it's a totally cheesy movie yeah. too and i think that the, we capture that element of like, oh god <laughs> it does not take itself seriously <laughs> oh no no I, I i like how the um as the editor, I'm focused on things that are going to be work for me. So the the fact that Margot taps on a pipe to send a Morse code signal, and I kept sitting there thinking, "How the hell am I going to do that?" And I found a I found some metal sound effects, and and I listened back to it now, and I'm like, "Oh, that's so great! It sounds good because it's there, and you don't notice it. And after a while, you maybe notice it, and then we cut away, and yeah. she's clanking with, you know, like a wrench or something or her ring. She says and. I, I was happy with how, how that turned out because I was thinking... The effect sounded great. How is my only anybody sadness, gonna get that? <laughs> my only sadness about it is that it's not type, tapping at OSOS. But I think that works in context. Well, but it is tapping script. out Are You There Cinnamon. I, I, did try, <laughs> I did try to approximate Are You There Cinnamon vaguely in Morse code. I did actually look <laughs> it up and try, to, and try to make it. It isn't just a random uh, tattoo happening there. It's an attempt to do Are You There Cinnamon. <laughs> Very no, I need to look. I need to re-listen to that more closely. I didn't catch that the first time around. Yeah, I don't Very know whether nice, it's Jason. something that humans could ever notice, but I did try to space them apart differently based on whether they were dots or dashes. 
That's all and I, I, I just remember. Because it's just taps, right? They're not long or short, so you've got to have the long or short and then the yeah. long. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I just remember sending you the script strength. back before Singleton. And then it, I, I, it was maybe a week later. I just get this message. Are you there, Cinnamon? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So. It's great, and that, and the music swells. And Chris Breen did an old Lang Syne for us. Oh, and, it's a beautiful. And the moment. music swells, and and the crowd the crowd starts out loud and then drops off. So the music is playing, and we get the old "Are You There, Cinnamon?" And it is beautiful and romantic. And you know that the moment that we hit the end of it, that stupid foghorn is going to go off, <laughs> and you're waiting for it, and and it still cracks me up every time. Every time. And also, so John Syracuse is the French henchman. Uh, I had introducing Lex, French henchmen. I, 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 I had Lex read that part because Lex speaks French, but uh, John Syracuse took French too. And originally, he was only going to be the PA in the Spooky Twist, but I, I, I asked him to read that, and I sent him the script fragment, which included, I believe, the line is is um, "Tu es un chameau mouillé." Right, you're a wet camel. <laughs> he he he. <laughs> H-E-H, H-E-H, H-E-H. And I'll play it when we uh, post this so everybody can hear it. But John sends me this file. And he gets to that point and he's like, you can't, ha, 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 you can't pronounce that. How do you want me, how do you want me to read this? And he, 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 he totally does his John Syracuse thing on this one line of dialogue and proceeds to do a maniacal French laugh that is just in there verbatim in the yeah. show. It's just, it's in there. And then when he's done with that, in in the clip, he he says to me on on his on his microphone, he says, "If you want something other than that, you're just going to have to get somebody else to do that laugh for you because I can't do it. That's all I can do." <laughs> <laughs> it's very dismissive of the whole thing. Il est ha ha ha. I can't say ha ha ha. No one can say h e h h e h. I can only do the ha ha ha. And you can have someone else fill in the laughing part. Now I got to originate that role on stage. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. And he oh, you went in a different were... direction than I did. Mine was a little more like, <laughs> like yeah. a little more lascivious. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, there's there's room for different interpretations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. He's got a Peter Lorre thing. Going. Yeah, I was just and Lex say. did a Lex did a nice deep French henchman too, who was like uh, almost the <laughs> super one romantic role played by more people than anything. <laughs> yeah, else. French hench. The French henchman is pos- is popular. I, I just love the yeah. the. Uh, the track you sent me for Citroen, where because Lex is the announcer for that, and right. and it's just Lex by himself, and so he does, you know. Oh, I have. Yeah, the, yeah. I started listening to that because it was in the Dropbox yeah. folder. I'm like, this is bizarre. Why <laughs> did I just talking to, to me? It's two and a half minutes of Lex talking to. <laughs> and so it's several yeah. minutes of you know the you know doing each line a couple of times, and then now wait a minute, I I thought he was playing the Confidence Man, but it's called the Lives of now. Paul Citroen. <laughs> But why? Well, what it is. is it called if it's not the guy? Well, maybe it's a joke I just don't get yet. Okay, yeah, that must be it. It's hilarious. Yep. Yeah, those when we had people record their individual bits, they 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 had this tendency to start talking to themselves because I had that for a couple of the commercials too, where Lex is like, "I didn't like that guy. I'm going to do that guy yeah. again." Okay, here's another one. And this this reading yep. was brought to you by Squarespace. And when we did the um, uh, Marjorie Carter recording at the very end we had this idea since steve the week before had told us that he yes. was um 
he was the Tiny Tim figure in Skin Flint, colon, A Country Christmas Carol, <laughs> that we would do, um, we would we would end the show completely unscripted. We, we wanted him to do a God Bless Us Everyone, Jump in Jupiter, as Timmy Preston Galaxy Scout from the first one, because we thought that might be a fun way to end. And it was just something that, that I think David just thought up while we were while we were sitting there. And so since we had Andy and Steve on, Andy did his, you know, tune in next time when you heard Timmy say, although I think I actually just used it, the one from the original Jumping radio drama Jupiter. and steve did his timmy preston he tightened up his belt and <laughs> you know and uh i'm so glad that's in there that's oh, a cute yeah. it's a great uh, that's a much better way to end it it's yeah. uh it's great and it allowed allowed me to not have to record an entire fake ending but instead record an ending with a with um that cuts off um which david had had an entire script that he gave me about uh how the the slave girl Gilligan's Island episode is the same as the plot of A Mock Time. And I'm dead serious um, about that, by the way. It really yeah, is. Yeah, well, and so I, that was fun, and I got to I got to insert the line, Scott McNulty, <laughs> this is the most we've ever heard you talk <laughs> yeah. in an episode cut off. <laughs> that did make me laugh. We never hear Scott actually talk. That was, that was, that was funny. That, that one um, woke people what, up what, laughing. So, so what else? Uh... I wanted to mention, so we mentioned Amy Ratchford doing the HostGator ad, which is great. Uh, Phil's bit breakdown is Carl Phillips. Um, oh, and was yeah, that, I mean, I loved enjoyable. writing that whole thing. And I, I knew from the beginning, it's like, I want Phil to have a, a complete psychotic break. So I knew he could do that. <laughs> and, you know, that was like, okay, I need news stories. Like, oh, well, all right, here's, you know, Christmas story and uh, Wonderful Life and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And then, you know, I get to the end and it's like, well... He's going to have that break. He's going to go go full network. And, oh, wait, they, he goes, you know, go to your windows and throw them up and lean out and shout. And I went, mm-hmm. oh, night before Christmas, of course. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, this may be the only thing that goes from night before Christmas right to network. So, yeah. yeah. I got it. I got, I got some of the yeah. some of your crazy <laughs> references. Um, Chris Breen enjoyed the uh, Cornet Blue oh, uh, yeah. spot, which is based on a based on a real spot where they, for no, it's, well, and it's, it, 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 it proves nothing, it's, right? It's is to take a wet Kleenex and put it on the front of a horn and have somebody play. I did not know that, and that was great that he pointed that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What does this prove? So 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 Chris did a little uh, trumpet patch. Of the incomparable theme, which you can hear in like ninety different versions now, which is pretty funny, <laughs> in all of its different versions. And this one, and it's got Lex doing his his cornet blue disposable facial tissue because he's trying to explain to us that we shouldn't use handkerchiefs and we should use Kleenex. <laughs> that that third sneeze yeah, cracks me up every time too. I got I got to use every stock uh, sneeze sound effect in the book for that, <laughs> so. That was that was good. Boy, the stock uh, stock audio effects. Oh my god, Kleinman's um, uh, soothing, uh, boring anonymous <laughs> music with again Andy doing the uh, the announcer. That was something that I had a couple different people. Lex recorded a version of that too, but Andy was so great that that was the end of that conversation and and uh that we mostly had him read it because we wanted scott and steve to do the man and the woman in the great tradition of the grantham manor tea biscuits um have have uh have a man play a woman and there's laugh laughs ensue the monty python uh uh monty python taught us that um oh, that's nice, dear. and uh yeah that was uh that was that was fun. are you for are you for example a dentist. <laughs> Four out of five dentists recommend Kleinman's yeah, music. Yeah, well. 
So what what am I? Is there anything else, or is that it? Oh. We, anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that that we haven't gone over now? Good God, it's so long, David. <laughs> Ninety two pages. It's as long as a full length. Eighty four minutes. It is. Yeah. It is legitimately it is. as long, easily <laughs> as long thing. as anything I've written for the stage. So. Oh my God. We proved that we could do a full length version of this, and it would not kill us nor make us never want to do it again. Yeah. At least I don't feel that way. Oh, uh, I mean, either. David's been sending me pitches for the <laughs> last three days, so I'm assuming he doesn't feel that way either. Even the editing, um, I would say, and and David had, you know, he had a lot of time put into his. I'd say. Um, it gets easier as it goes because I, th- I was able to edit this. This wasn't quite as horrendous an editing job as the last one was. Um, so I think I, I learned. I, uh, there was a learning curve the last yeah. time, and it was I had a system this time, and I had learned how to use some of the plugins and logic, and and I was able to to get it together. Oh, I want to thank David too for um, he, he put together the scripts for the two ads because we had two two oh, ads yeah. that were sold into this episode, not knowing what real it was, life ads. and so we needed to do something, and I didn't want to sort of like fade out to a real ad, and so. Um, David inserted as much using the the hostgator talking points inserted as much sexual innuendo as possible into something that's about web hosting oh, I, and uh, then wrote the Rick and Morty sketch which is hilarious well, I think I, I with just want to me say, and Steve I didn't have to add anything in there I mean 99.9% uptime no matter your size or needs yeah that's I true I mean I read that and I went okay I know what this is yeah but yeah yep. Rick, Rick and Morty that was just fun and and you guys nailed it oh my god you, I guess I did. I, so I guess I did two acting to. jobs. And you, I? yeah, that was. That was I, funny. I just have to say, when when you go, it's it's already on Mondays at ten thirty. You, you you do that sort of desperate exasperation really well, and I figured that was because you were done editing most everything else. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, you know that was as somebody who's been an exasperated interviewer <laughs> many times in my life. Um, that was not a that was not a stretch. And then it, it with the um, sound effects. That's the amazing thing is that you put oh, in some yeah. crickets and then the sound of a spaceship taking off at the end, and you got something. And we should say the music that bookends that, as David will know, is the uh, Apple. It's stock <laughs> Apple Music. It's called Headline News, I think. Um, but it was the t- theme song from the late lamented um, TV Talk Machine podcast that Tim Goodman did, that David and I were both fans of. And so when I was thinking <laughs> of a a, a news break. A bit of music. I thought I've got to use that ridiculous ten-second-long headline news uh, spot. Oh, so, and speaking—that's one of my references. Speaking of ridiculous ten-second spots, the uh, <laughs> the CBS special presentation music at the very beginning. The uh, oh yeah, that that which came out entirely of uh, Andy and Ico mentioned it on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then and then and he, he and I just started going back and forth about it. Because it it's actually originally from a Hawaii Five O episode in nineteen seventy or something. Yeah, really? Yeah. Never occurred to me. And you know, a couple of years ago I, I I said, you know, I miss that stupid CBS special thing. And I and I looked it up on YouTube and then I found it and then I found the episode that it was from and I went, Oh my god, it really is. And uh but yeah, I mean it, there's just something to to like two or three generations of people that just sort of signifies Oh, it's Christmas and you're going to watch a special. Christmas special. Yeah. The um it's funny the spread of things. I mean, there's stuff that was written in, you know, September or or earlier, I suppose. I don't know when you wrote that. Yeah, the fog that the that, fog, uh, I think I fog. I wrote that in July, I think. July or August. Wow. And and then there's other stuff that happened like some of it uh Scott and Jesse that was 
that was Thursday, and we posted it on Saturday morning. Yep. So, or was it Friday, we and we posted it no, Sunday? That no, was Friday. That was Friday, and we posted it Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was uh, less than forty eight hours. That was like thirty six hours before we posted it. Those got recorded. So there was some stuff that was really long in, in gestation, and then there was stuff that happened uh, the absolute last right. minute. There were there were little bits Kinda and pieces funny. of Citrone that I kept going. Okay, okay, it's four a.m. I'll re-record this very quietly. <laughs> no one will hear me. And there was one line that drove me nuts because I I did the beginning narration, and you know, and he says. And it was a train ticket delivered to my hotel room in Budapest with a request for my presence. And I'm, you know, I'm listening to it over and over again. And it's a really lovely line reading. And suddenly I go, he should say, my hotel room in Budapest with a request for my presence. And I could never get it right. It was like, oh, that's horrible. And I couldn't like do it so that I could drop it in because it was in the middle of a long thing of narrations. It was like, no, that's going to sound weird. And I finally went. No, he's all about proper pronunciation. Fine. So, yep. oh well. Don't be a Budapest, <laughs> Jason. David. Desperation. Oh, God, I'm tired. I can't remember which one of you is which. You all sound the same to me. Of, of late nights. So, uh, so Makes we. Let's do many things. So, we should probably do this again sometime. Okay. Yeah. This or the actual sometime radio soon. drama? Oh, this is oh, this is better. Let's yeah, just do just this talk and about not actually put in all that work. Talk about it as if we've had yeah. one. We have do you remember so that radio many, drama with the zombies? So many accents yet to do. Yeah, I I feel like I haven't got so many accents. There's a request for it. I haven't gotten exercise my well, I, to accents. I always used well, to like doing accents. What was the accent that you were doing the other day, Dan, that I was like, oh, we have to. Was it the, the, oh, the, the JFK, JFK voice? voice. Yeah. Oh, my JFK voice? <laughs> is that JFK or is it just a Mayor Quimby voice? <laughs> no, it's no. My many JFKs, JFKs are JFK. just Mayor Quimby. It's my JFK from, from Clone High. From Clone High. Where it lived. Uh, Bill Lawrence uh, cartoon. Yes. I'm a Kennedy. Oh, I'm not I accustomed see. to tragedy. <laughs> Totally lost the audio on that one. I'm going to assume everybody uh, Coming soon. Coming soon, yeah. Stay tuned for that you. one. <laughs> Stay tuned for that one. Just more creepy, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Creepy. More creepy. Once more for safety. Once creepier for safety. All right. Well, I think that we've come uh, come to the end. It's the end. For now. For the now. Dun, dun, dun. But we'll have to do more. Same incomparable yes. time. <laughs> what time is that? Same incomparable, incomparable channel. <laughs> You'll never know. People who follow us on Twitter may have gotten a, an inkling that something was up, but well, it was fun. <laughs> but uh, I, we kept it very close to the vest. I mean, it, it yeah. was nice. I, I don't know which was more fun, like springing it on everyone in April or kind of hinting at it this time. Because like I would, I would put up screenshots <laughs> of, of the script and I was very careful to take a picture that, that would just be like, Tesla, what's that? Dot. And then you wouldn't see anything else. It was like, well, is he writing something new? I don't know. It's very vague. I kind of like it. It's fun. It's fun. The next time I know, I know now. Glenn mentioned that he's got a he had a, a Tesla idea, and and I, I keep threatening David that I want to write a uh, an old time uh, superhero y kind of thing. Yeah, and maybe yeah. musicals. I, yeah, well, we'll see. I, <laughs> yeah, then we all have to sing. That'll be a kettle of fish. Oh, I, who will break can, that to Chris I'll Green? <laughs> make a singer out of you. I, I have an outline to send you later. Um, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and I'm not palm. kidding. 
All right, we're not going to, no, no spoilers. We're, we, that's the, we, we'll file this under uh, getting people excited about the next time without revealing too spoilers, much. Spoilers, so. sweetie. Oh, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this, uh, this thing that's not an actual episode, but is an after darky kind of thing, um, and thank my guests for this non-episode. David, thank you for writing all of this crazy stuff. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. Hey, thank you for letting me write it. My God. Um, like I said, this is... This was even more fun than April. And these are the two things that I wrote that I didn't get paid for this year, and they were the most fun I had. And they, they're probably the things I put the most work into, so... Ha-ha! The check, the, the check would be in the mail if it weren't for Scott McNulty. That's all I'm saying. Bastard! <laughs> Scott McNulty's in the mail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's for Little sure. Little bitty pieces. Well, I have a lot of jars, so... I'm sorry. Red, creepier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Just a little creepy. <laughs> what are you doing Listen. there with... Why, why are you tying up Scott McNulty? <laughs> why are you putting him in a little jar? <laughs> Scott Just Jars. It's a new blog. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I think it's time for bed. It is. Okay, Dan, Dan and Ren, thank you so much. And Ren, thank you for directing uh, again and telling us to do it better because I did listen to those takes and think that's no good. Oh, good. They're doing it again. <laughs> oh, that's much better. Yes. So I Perfectionism. Could, it's nice to get that. Yes. Every well, now and then you, you do something editing. once and I'd be like, oh, geez, I hope that's good enough. Cause and then you'd usually come back to it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ed- editing. Many, many... Uh, it's fun. It's like uh, watching them watching them come together is a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. They they uh, you, you start putting in some uh, dialogue and suddenly uh, with Tesla because it was recorded in so many different sessions. Uh, once all the dialogue was in, it was like oh oh hey it makes sense now. When before it was like literally it's somebody would talk and then there'd be like twenty seconds of me sort of like just speaking the dialogue out loud in my head and then <laughs> more dialogue would appear. But then suddenly everybody was in there and it was a whole show. It was great. So it's fun to watch that stuff. Well, I loved in the, mm-hmm. the, as you were putting the fog together and you still didn't have Fleur for a long time. <clears throat> and whichever, whatever voice you were using for it just kept getting creepier and creepier as it went along. And just sort of like she was this interdimensional <laughs> being who was losing well, all was, of it her. Was, uh, it, was, and it was Ren pitched down, except she interacts with um, with uh, Margot at the end. And so I read those. And, ah, and so then it's me pitched down, which is really bizarre. Really, yeah. yeah. It was sort of like Creepy. all of a sudden she's like this yep. demonic being and just... Uh, what did you think I was doing, Mr. Stark? Yeah. yeah, that's uh, yeah, that. That uh, and the fact that uh, I actually kind of uh, miss Steve Lutz as uh, as uh, uh, as as Charest. What, what's Dev Charest yeah. uh, yeah. with his inability to pronounce Quebecois properly and all that? But Quebecois. <laughs> that was a good. Yeah, that was a good. Charest de Quebecois. Quebec. <laughs> I am how you say a copper. 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 That was a. That wasn't a. That was. That was a Dan Moore. That was a line. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Oh yeah. I get, I get a word in edgewise every once in a while. Yeah, every now and then. Once in a while. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Let's definitely do it again. And thanks to everybody out there for listening and saying they like it and all of that. That's also great. If everybody, if we, if we release these things and they just kind of landed with a thud, we would not be here talking about having done another one. The the fact that people. Uh, seem to get excited about them and enjoy them and listen to them multiple times in some cases, which is a major investment for this one. David. 
uh, <laughs> is uh, it, we 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 thank you for that because we you know we're that's why we're doing it, and uh, so I'm glad that everybody out there likes them too. So thank you, listener, imaginary listener, listening to this very long after dark. Thank you, yay, listeners, yay. Thank you, people who can listen, <laughs> people who hear things on the internet. Yay.